Because again, a lot of people are dumb. And I'm not excluding myself from this. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Humans That Are Standard. I'm Evan, that's Aiden. Yes, I am Aiden. This is the, we actually might have decent audio this time edition of the podcast. Yeah, let's start off with um, some shouting out. One, to my work, because apparently a headset is a necessity for work. So I got a better headset through that. And then shout out to Dan and Nick, who you've met. I don't know if you remember. Nick is uh, my Venezuelan friend with the longish hair. Dan is the French-Canadian guy with the really curly hair. They were listening to some standard humans and told me to get better audio. So I hope this sounds better and more clear. So thank you to listeners, especially you two, for bullying us into better quality. Yeah, (laughs) as it should be. Yeah. Oh, no, that's 100% how it should be. Also, shout out to Atletico Ottawa for losing yesterday to York United FC, who are your team, you bastards. I was there, so I was very sad. Oh, damn. I, I have no idea the, what level of, I assume this is soccer. This, this is, is soccer. But, this is Canadian Premier League, which I would recommend going to. It's like 25 to 40 bucks, somewhere in that range for like first to fifth row tickets. Okay. And that's uh, pretty good. It's super fun. Nice. Yeah. I mean, if York is pretty good, then damn, that's. Uh, that's well, pretty- usually they're not. So that's why I'm even more cheesed, but. Amazing. That's, that's and Ottawa's perfect. usually good. So what the heck? Nah, but, that sounds wrong. Ottawa yeah. can't be good. <laughs> usually they are. <laughs> so I was like, yes, finally an Ottawa team that's good at something. But no, I guess the sixty sevens are also good. So you might be wondering, um, how does all this relate to what we're talking about today? Uh, it doesn't at all, actually. So oh, it does because just as Ottawa is inferior in its sports teams, it's also inferior in its voting systems. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, if by Ottawa you mean the parliamentary system of Canada, which is centered in Ottawa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this is probably a... also specifically calling out the municipality of Ottawa. I assume they're also first past the post, but <laughs> I would assume so. That would be extremely interesting if they weren't. Oh man, it. No, they have to, I think, because I think the province banned cities from doing anything but that a few years back. Really? Like specifically? Yes, they specifically. Were some cities yeah. trying to institute alternative voting systems on purely mun- a municipal level? Yes. Wow, that's very cool. <laughs> it is, yeah. But then the province was like, no, enough of that. So that's a super, super Doug Ford thing to do. It really is, though. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, you're trying to do that? Nah. No, this doesn't concern you whatsoever, but still going to butt in anyways. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> butt in and make it worse. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That should be the um, slogan for the next campaign. But Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, this one, we were just, honestly, we were just bouncing around some ideas. And this uh, topic years ago, like, two and a half years ago or something, maybe even more, um, was actually, we did a very short episode, the contents of which are completely gone from my memory (laughs) about um, just different voting systems. And we were talking about it the other day and we were actually getting pretty interested in it. So we're like, you know what, let's do a regular episode that is accessible to the masses. Exactly. Um, 
yeah, the first one that we did was just a Patreon only exclusive, which I think there's only two of, but they're on Patreon if you want to uh, subscribe and listen to them. That was just hundred a $100 minimum for each one. Oh, exactly. Yeah, for the gamer tier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do we still have that? We do still have that. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Very good. It's still around. Uh, we so- have. We've only published the two exclusives to it, so maybe <laughs> we could consider doing more of those at some point. But... And they're both about three years old, so. Yeah, pretty much. If not more. Maybe. Yeah, I have no re- recollection of when they're from, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but, but we decided to do a more in-depth version. I think this will actually be a two-parter. I'm intentionally setting that out at the beginning instead of figure- finding that out an hour in this time. You could just edit that. Just just take that just like clip of your voice saying, I think this will be a two-parter. Just lock that away somewhere. Like just, just isolate that clip. And so you can just insert it at the intros of most of the things we talk about. That's true. That could work. Yeah. That, that is one of the interesting things about podcasts is like, it's not like YouTube or those kinds of platforms where you can't edit something once it's already live. You can totally like replace the audio. Really? The podcast file. Yeah, huh. if you want to, which is not something I've really done. I might have remastered like one or two things, I think, a few years back, but just because that seems like a weird thing to do. But you yeah, could what just do you, totally what, Rick Astley everybody. It's like, what's everyone getting? What's anyone getting out of that if you do that? You know? Yeah, you're just randomly changing the back catalog. Unless, but. I guess the only the only reason I could see to do that is if you got like a new intro, like let's say you recorded like a specific intro, like a song or something. And you really like it, you just go back and put it as the intro to like all of them for consistency. That's kind of the only reason I could think to do that. In case somebody find, finds your show now and then wants to like listen to it all the way through or whatever. Yeah, or I've seen um, a few shows with real big back catalogs who know that a lot of people will just go back to number one and start there. Uh, who've changed both in like quality and potentially content a lot in the hundreds of episodes since who will add like a little disclaimer at the start. That's like, Hey, thanks for starting at the beginning. I swear it gets better later on. Yeah. They're like, if you want to start at around 50 instead of here, then maybe that would be a better play. But... Mm-hmm. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get there eventually, but yeah, I attempted that when I was um, driving through BC for work, mm-hmm. I was listening to the, BBC Radio 5 Live, Alice James and John Robbins radio show. And because um, they just take their basically two hour segment and upload it as a podcast with some like editing and stuff to make it more cohesive as a podcast. But so it's really nice to just listen to when you're just like walking or something. And I tried to listen from the beginning because I'm like, maybe there's like continuity I need to know about or whatever, like or just any, just just for whatever to see if they reference anything. But then I looked how many episodes they have after I'd listened to the first eight and they have like almost 300 now and they're like two hours long each. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll just listen to the most recent one. And it was also because they started obviously like a few years ago, maybe like three years ago, they were like referencing current events. So they'd be like, yeah, like, (laughs) oh man, it's pretty crazy that uh, we have this prime minister and like that. Brexit's going to happen soon and stuff. So I was like, okay. That'll do it. Yeah. But anyways, voting systems. That is a topic that I think a very select group of people are deeply interested in and knowledgeable about. And the majority of people probably not so much, but 
It is. Sorry, just, sorry for my lack of response there. I was drinking some coconut water and I didn't know it had pulp in it. So I was a little bit alarmed for a second. You did <laughs> seem very alarmed there. Okay, yeah. that explains that. <laughs> like, ah! oh, oh, okay, never mind. Thought you were just reading whatever beer it was that you had. No, drunk. no, no. Coconut water. It's only 2.45. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was listening yeah. to a podcast the other day and one of the hosts was going like, yeah, and I've got my podcast beer. And the others were like, it's 9.45 in the morning. What are oh. you doing? <laughs> And he's like, I always have my podcast beer. And he's like, no, that's a problem. <laughs> At 9.45 in the morning, that does seem like a bit of an issue. Unless it it's exclusively a St. Paddy's Day podcast. No. Then you're allowed to. Uh, but other than that, no beers till at least lunch. No, it, it was not. Hmm. Or from a cottage. <laughs> But it, it's not a cottage with your family. Then you can't have morning beers. You can if it's a cottage with the boys for three days or less. Okay. Mm-hmm. These are the rules that I've just made up. Good to know. All right. It's important rules to know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you were saying. But yeah, I was saying voting systems. Uh, I'd say it's a pretty underappreciated element of democracy not voting in general that's i think pretty well appreciated pretty appreciated people are pretty into it usually yeah but some people frustratingly aren't but most people are pretty into it usually yeah it's very odd when people aren't but Mm -hmm. but the actual system that you use to vote and to count said votes can vary quite a bit from what i can tell from country to country and can influence exactly like how the government turns out and what they end up doing so, yeah, and again, it's not usually the system isn't usually something you think about. Like, for instance, if you're voting on something in class when you're a kid, it's like, who votes for this? Okay, who votes for this? Okay, who votes for this? And uh, it just seems like, yeah, one vote per person. You can only vote for one. You can only give one vote. Uh, so you have to pick which one you like. Um that just seems like the sort of intuitive one, but is it the best one for ensuring that the result is, I guess, the, the the most people get the most satisfaction out of the result? Yeah, exactly. Like, what is the result? What most people are, if not like overly joyed about, like most happy with? And it's very much like a theme of um, the simplest solution or the first thing you think of isn't necessarily the best thing all of the time. And I figure today what I might try and cover is a bit of the history of um, voting systems and voting reform in Canada, as well as uh, what first past the post our current voting system is and what some of the pros and cons of it are. And I was hoping or thinking that next part we can get into a couple of select different voting systems that are used elsewhere in the world that could be uh, a fair bit better than our system. Do you have uh, as, as a little a little... A little teaser, um, which countries uh, have the, well, one of, I guess the most popular alternative voting system would be called, it's just the alternative vote. Um, I don't think that's the most popular one. No? No, actually. Well, what are some countries that have uh, alternative systems? Uh, well, the alternative vote, uh, otherwise known as ranked voting or instant runoff voting, uh, is I think most well known in Australia. Mm-hmm. They have that one. But then there are other systems like single transferable vote that I think notably Ireland uses uh, or mixed member proportional systems like Germany and New Zealand 
or totally proportional systems like in the Netherlands or Israel. Hmm. I did know, I did know Ireland had some kind of different one and that, uh, so, so, okay. Yeah. At, at the risk of, uh, spoiling a bit, is that just basically ranked voting, but you can, you only can do one and two. No, it is not actually. Oh. Uh, the Irish system gives you much more choices than a typical, uh, alternative vote actually. So they it's must very- be real happy with their prime minister. Cause they'd have that guy. They've had that guy forever. Maybe. Yeah, what's his name? Uh... Yeah, this is oh, part no. of part of why I wanted to split it into two is that I've realized partway through like researching this that other countries use very different voting systems, like a lot more so than I'd previously realized. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. Think, is it wait? Is it does Ireland have a prime minister and a president? Oh, they might. Because I'm thinking because I just looked up the Irish prime minister and that was not the dude who I thought it was. Yeah, they might do, but then they have Irish names for them, which I don't recall. Yeah, like Tausik for Prime yeah. Minister. Well, anyway, this is boring me just reading stuff. What are you saying? <laughs> yeah, I just um, wanted to mention that. Yeah, I was very surprised by just how much uh, different systems or how many different systems there are out there, um, which I think is partly just a reflection um, that's really often the case in that like Canadians need to compare themselves to other countries than just to the U S the U S Oh, you, you're man. I yeah. have literally never agreed with a statement. You've said more <laughs> seriously. Yeah. I know it's like our whole national identity is that we think we're better than the U S which we are in many ways, but like that's not the highest of bars. No, it's not. And also then like if they get shitter and shitter, which some people would argue they currently are or have been for a little bit, Who's to say, you know, if that happens, then what, uh, then we, we can just get slightly less shitter, but still get shitter and shitter. Oh, it is the, sorry. It is the president, Michael Higgins. That's him. They've had him forever and he looks like a hobbit. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like Um, we've talked about him before. Maybe he's a pretty cool guy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have yeah, talked no. about him definitely oh yeah i think this oh, is yeah. Real oh the yeah, 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 yeah probably the irish uh learning gaelic ones but oh probably oh yeah because he's uh yeah because he's he's bilingual so yeah i know nothing about him but very cool but yeah and i think the other thing i was gonna say was that um in realizing that there are so many other systems that are much better uh that are actually in use uh, I haven't had too much of a chance to go deep into a number of countries, other systems that I think would probably be valuable once we like get deeper into what the other systems are. So I figured today we could talk more to uh, first past the post and as well as the general history of voting reform in Canada, which I did not know how long that history was. We've been trying to change how we vote for a, over a century now. Well, I remember in high school, this this is this is something we talked about when we were planning this episode a little bit. In high school, I was pretty excited that Justin Trudeau was he, he was like going on about how he's going to do some voting reform, change the voting system to the uh, I think he said the alternative vote, but he might have just said voting reform. But either way, I was like, yes, we need this. This guy's clearly going to do it because he says he is, and he's also sick. Um, and then uh, he did not do it. And I was like, oh, huh. Well, that's too bad. 
he did not know, which was very unfortunate. I was so hyped up about that as well. Yeah. I was like the main campaign pledge that I was excited about, really. Yeah, because then it's like if he gets in and does that, then you can just get somebody else if he doesn't do a good job. <laughs> you can get somebody else who everybody else will be happy with. So Potentially, maybe. Or more happy with, at least. <laughs> maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. Depending <laughs> on how the reform was maybe it would be the voting reform would be you cannot vote at all anymore and now i'm the dictator for life (laughs) possibly yeah more of the like putin path of voting reform yeah always an option exactly yeah but yeah we can also get into um that specific one um or that specific round of voting report attempts um because there are a few like ones that i wanted to cover a little bit because it's just interesting to see like the history of it a bit but it was also very interesting to look into that because i also didn't know like why it just didn't happen they just kind of like turned tails and said nah never mind at one point but there were a couple of reasons at least that they gave i don't think they were terribly good they still should have done it but <laughs> we can talk yeah my, my impression of why they did it i'm you have probably a lot more detail was they gave out a very vague survey to a number of Canadians. It was basically like, do you want to vote like we've always voted or do you want to change it up into something way more complicated? And then a lot of people are like, ooh, complicated voting, no thanks. And then just said no. And then they're like, the people have spoken. <laughs> yeah, I think that probably was uh, part of it, though it seems like the they did actually hold uh, or make a commission on electoral reform that interviewed like shitloads of Canadians and experts and all the general like interest groups that you'd want them to consider. And I'm like most of the way through the report, which has actually been a really fascinating read into like the history of voting reform in Canada and to like the different systems and like how they've worked in other countries and all that kind of stuff, which has been very interesting so far. But it seems like the like couple of reasons why it didn't go through that time was partly that the commission uh, or Trudeau, his preference was very much to use the alternative vote. Yeah, which is which is kind of respect. Yeah, it's it's generally pretty good, but that was not the recommendation of the commission. Uh huh. And so, oh, so he's like that that or nothing. A little bit. He also kind of turned tails on the alternative vote a little bit because um, just because people suggested that uh, that one would be very good for the Liberal Party, which it seems like it would, um, because inherent in the alternative vote, which is essentially where you rank every candidate in your order of preference, uh, the Liberal Party is most people's like second favorite party. They're they're a centrist party. It's pretty like unoffensive to most people. I I would say they're probably the most centrist party because they're not the most liberal or conservative. And I would say there's three parties that currently have like major traction. So the most liberal of the most like or economically liberal being the NDP, the most economically conservative being conservative and the liberals smack in the middle. So generally, yeah. So they they would have uh, an advantage in that system, which is I don't know, maybe I'm not getting it. But to me, sounds like a really dumb uh, critique, because that's basically just saying that the liberals are too good at politics. Yeah. It's just, well, that's just saying, oh, yeah, people would. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess I can see I guess it's a necessary critique because it's like are you only doing this to secure future power for yourself and your party? 
but it's like the thing is it's making it easier for people to voice their opinion so it's like people could also just not make them their second choice if they start if they started liking them less like people are still voting for them so yeah definitely which um one of the other interesting things in that study was that they had like a way of measuring just how um representative or un or over or under represented a given party is or would be under uh each of the different kind of systems and with the alternative vote the liberals would at least um in the report they analyzed like the 2015 election and they found that like they would have been a lot more overrepresented than they actually were with first past the post which was kind of interesting really but How's mm-hmm. how's that? How do you figure overrepresented? Like what errors and what does that mean in this context, I guess? Uh, that generally means uh, the proportion of the actual seats in the House of Commons that they have versus the proportion of the national vote that they actually have. Mm. But would they not, like you said, like it, it, this would probably come from a lot of like second place voters. Like they probably get a lot of second seconds. Um, huh. That's really interesting. I wouldn't have called that at all. But I mean, it seems like like they would have got they would have been would that still be overrepresented though? Because again, they would get all these second place votes. So they'd still get votes for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would be getting um, votes just more so than like their or they would still be getting yeah, they would be getting votes just like not nearly as much as the number of seats that they get would imply which is kind of interesting. That's something that I do want to like look more into a little bit. Cause that, mm-hmm. that was interesting that it got even like less representative with that system. Yeah. Which, um, which usually wouldn't expect. No, which was definitely an odd thing. I don't know if that was like a one off or if that's often the case, but uh, the, it's not surprising that that would be, that system would be less representative than other systems like a single transferable vote or mixed member proportional that again, we'll get, detailed more detailed into next time i think those 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 are better reasons uh, that's that's less frustrating now um like i still think it would be nice to do it definitely um but yeah. i can see how they're th- th- those are those are better the better reasons yeah and he just was not a fan of the ver- of the system that the commission proposed which one was that uh, mixed member proportional which is kind of like the system that germany uses which kind of, it, it's a bit of a hybrid between the system we use now and a purely um, proportional system where people just like vote for a party and then each of the parties just get seats based off of like the percentage of popular votes that they get. Huh. Um, how happy are the Germans generally with their elected officials nowadays? I think largely pretty good. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have, uh, by any chance, a list of countries by voting satisfaction level? I do not, no. Uh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, so that's, that's the first thing. That's why we don't have it here, I guess, currently. Yeah, at least this time. One of the things that I wanted to go like quickly over as we like start to get into this is that um, our voting system seems like it was kind of slapped together a little bit at the beginning and very much intentionally not representative of everyone's voices, right? Like it wasn't until um, what, like the late 19 teens that women started being able to vote. It wasn't until like 1920s that people who didn't own land 
could vote. It wasn't wow. until like the 40s and 50s that uh, the government couldn't discriminate based on race for who can vote. And like it wasn't even until like 1970 that 18 year olds could vote. It was 21 and up until then. Mm-hmm. And I think it was 1960 when indigenous people got the right to vote. So it's very much like a system that was not uh, designed to represent everybody from the beginning. And also, um, I found this book this morning from Elections Canada on like the history of voting in Canada that I skimmed through a bit. And it was kind of fascinating. They were talking about how um, at the very beginning, like 1867, when they were starting to figure stuff out, they didn't even have like a way to figure out who was eligible to vote. The federal government was just like, ah, we can't decide on this. We're just going to let the provinces figure it out. And it was basically that way for the, ba- the for most of the next like 50 years. It was like, yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out. So it feels like there was not that much thought put into it. And we could definitely put some more in now into figuring out how to better represent uh, the interests of Canadians. I would agree. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to find uh, country. Let's see, country with highest voter satisfaction because i thought that would be like very easy to find yeah satisfaction with democracy yeah i'm looking at satisfaction with democracy too and we are we are definitely up there (laughs) and then we can just do exactly what they do and then it'll all work out exactly because we are the exact same we are the same country every country is the same exactly (laughs) let's see okay Oh yeah, we're okay. We're up there. I'm I'm surprised uh, that we're actually. Let's see, satisfaction with democracy is largely split across 19 countries surveyed. Um, satisfaction. Oh, okay, satisfaction is highest in Sweden and Singapore, where nearly eight in ten are pleased with the way their government functions. Majorities are also satisfied in Germany, the Netherlands, Australia, and Canada. Um, views are more evenly split in the UK, Belgium, Poland, Malaysia, South Korea, Israel, and Hungary, and in France, Japan, the US, Italy, Greece, and Spain. Majorities are dissatisfied. Huh. There were some surprises in there, but like I'm surprised we're still majority satisfied, honestly. Yeah, there's a lot that like I don't understand about how our thing works or the results that we get. Like it's very odd that we have so many parties in a first past mm. the post system. That's not really supposed to happen. It's nice. It is very good. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that a lot of that like satisfaction as well, probably reflects a lot outside of just the voting system. Like there's a lot of other stuff that goes into a democracy. That's important. Yeah. Which we seem to do pretty well at, but yeah. in this case, not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so sorry, yeah, what was, the, what was the point we were on here? Um, I think what I just said was basically like we could put a lot more thought into the voting system oh, than yeah. the like, land-owning white men of the 1860s who designed the system. Yeah, especially because I don't even own land yet, so. <laughs> I know, right, same. I want a piece of that. Yeah. I want to vote. Yeah, there was a hilarious bit in a CGP Grey video on I think the Electoral College of the U.S., where he had like a scene where he went back in time to warn the founders that they were creating a system that didn't exactly represent uh, the exact proportion of votes that uh, citizens would cast. And they were basically like, the will of the people, the people, we're not trying to listen to the people. We're designing a system explicitly to protect against the will of the people. 
Do you even own land? Get out of here. <laughs> Peasant. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is kind of funny, though, with like the will of the people and stuff. It is uh, uh, the just I'm just thinking of this quote. I think it was or I was reading this this, this book by uh, it was Aristotle. It's either Aristotle or Socrates. I think it was Aristotle because I believe it was Socrates who didn't actually write anything and only gave lectures. And yeah, um, so he seemed to be pretty anti true democracy in oh, that. Like, yes, I remember Aristotle's. Um, yeah. Oh, or was that Plato? I it's one of those guys. One of those. One of those two. Yeah. Um, but he was pretty anti-true democracy, as which I guess we don't have. As it be true democracy would be uh, everybody votes on essentially every issue, and basically the people are the government. And obviously, we don't have that uh, because that would a lot of people are dumb, and also <laughs> that would just be too much trouble. Um, so we're like, yeah, a republic, but. Um, he also thought there should be, which is an interesting but complicated issue, that there should be a minimum education level in order to vote, which is, it would be good if people had more education on what they were voting for. Because I know a lot of people are just like, well, I've agreed with this party in the past, so I'm going to vote for this party forever. Um, and uh, also, he, he also thought that true, like dem- democratic systems couldn't really work larger than a city state level, which is probably true enough. But eh, we figured out how to get them work. Like we can get by. They would yeah. definitely have a much larger satisfaction level uh, if it was a city state size. Probably, but yeah, yeah. When you're all neighbors, but yeah, exactly. But it is interesting how they couldn't conceive of a unit of government or a unit of nation really larger than the city state, and then were immediately conquered by Macedonia and pulled into their. <laughs> L. Yeah. I think we should go back to uh, city-states. Man, there would be so many city-states across mm-hmm. North America. Like the own individual country of the greater Ottawa area? That could work. Toronto could work. would be probably about three. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. All neighboring each other. Or it would just be like the center. Maybe, yeah. Then, one mega country. The Kingdom of Kitchener-Waterloo would be pretty sick. Mm. Oh, yeah. So back on that, it would be nice to have like a minimum, maybe like hour-long voter course each voter had to do before each election. I'm just like, hey, do you know who each of these people even are? (laughs) But, you know, that's a difficult ask. Yeah, especially for the people who do not have the time to get through that that would be rough if there was a requirement but yeah and there's a lot of interesting like arguments kind of like um in that vein about like compulsory voting and whether or not that would be a good idea which is also interesting mm-hmm. because sometimes like my opinion is um if you don't vote you shouldn't complain about the government ever because you uh basically by not voting to me says yeah, the government can do literally whatever they want, and I, I don't care. Um, spoiling your ballot is different. That's sending a message, at least. But yeah, if you just don't vote because of whatever reason, then yeah, to me, that's just like, yeah, I have no opinion on the government at all. <laughs> they can do whatever. 
don't know. That that is definitely often the case, but not definitely not universally for people. Well, as in as in it irks me if somebody doesn't vote and then they're like, Oh, I hate how the government's doing this. It's like you could have had your voice in changing that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like most of the people you and I interact with, that's very much the case if they haven't voted. It's like, why not? But very different for like I know, for example, like a lot, there's a lot of like Inuit communities who will like as a point of pride slash protest uh, about the general concept of the federal government not vote at all. That Which, I would say that's obviously different. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like sort of a is that almost like a sovereignty kind of thing? Yeah, much more so. But yeah, just like the general point of uh, voter apathy doesn't really properly capture uh, or is a bit misleading, I think, for a lot of cases about why people haven't actually voted. So uh, what was the next point in this uh, uh, saga? Uh, So the next part that I wanted to get to is a little bit of a more modern history of voting reform. Um, or at least voting reform studies in Canada. Because interestingly, mm-hmm. this has happened, I think, eight times across the last like 100 or so years. The first of oh. which was in 1921, when we first started to be like, hey, this first pass the post stuff is not working. Yeah, a lot of people are unhappy with this. Yeah, which not coincidentally, I think um, the first one happened then because that was the first election that we had with more than two parties running in it. Before Ooh, then, it was always just two. What were the two and what was the third one that started? Um, well, we've always had some version of the liberals and the conservatives, though under name changes throughout. Yeah, I feel like those are the sort of classic, like it's basically economically left and economically right. Basically, yeah. But then during uh, the 1921 election, I believe it was the progressives was the third party, which would be more of a left wing party, I think. Well, and then they've actually since become the progressive conservatives so i don't think so that would probably be the conservatives no well wasn't there a uh wait oh there was also a progressive party but i think that was a different one because yeah I'm wait it up. the conservative party of canada conservatively known as the tories they were the progressive conservatives throughout the late 20th century i believe yeah that's what i was thinking of oh, no, i not think their the- website I Get think me the to Wikipedia. Um, yeah, they probably are looking at this. Because what what happened to the progressives? Uh, succeeded by United Farmers of Alberta, Liberal Progressives, and the Cooperative Commonwealth Co- Corporation. No, wait, Federation, not Corporation. It's a political party. <laughs> wait, sorry. John A. Macdonald, the Prime Minister, Canada's first Prime Minister and leader of the Liberal Conservative Party. How can there be a Liberal Conservative Party? <laughs> what? I don't know. The names, the names have really changed throughout the years. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and their opponents, the Conservative Liberal Party. <laughs> exactly. Suffice it to say, there was a third party that won a bunch of seats and that made people go like, oh, damn, this uh, first past the post system isn't working great, which um, you can generally see in that with first past the post, you don't need to win a majority of the votes in order to win in a particular riding. You just need Mm -hmm. more than the others. So, for example, if you have like three people running and you get like 30 percent, 30 percent, 40 percent, one person who gets 40%, that's not the majority of the votes, but that is 
more than the others. So they just win. Which is why actually in our government, why coalitions often are a big brain move, because then you can actually have if you if you're a minority government forming a coalition like the liberal NDP coalition um, is often a move because then if you then you can essentially you, you have the majority power to execute your common goals with that party. It can be. Yeah, though. Interestingly, we very much don't do coalitions very much in this country. I think partly because of the first past the post system, it it tends to like give parties majorities more often than not. But also they just don't form coalitions that much unless they have to. We have one right now, no? We do, yeah. Yeah, but it's pretty rare. Usually, yeah. And it's very much not, I think, to the same extent a coalition as you'll get in other countries that have coalitions more often where they form a more united government. It's more so just like uh, the NDP agrees not to try and like blow not to up shoot the whole them down. government, yeah, or not to do a vote of no confidence. Essentially, I think <laughs> that's funny. That's the main thing that they're collaborating on. Mm-hmm. Just don't don't surprise us. Basically, yeah. Or if another party does try and surprise us, uh, stop them, <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. Which I feel like is probably pretty good having like multiple parties compromise a little bit in order to make a coalition government it is uh, one of the many advantages uh to having a multi-party system again as opposed to the states where just it seems like nothing gets done ever because there's only two sides and they just yell at each other all the time and (laughs) yes yeah two sides who have realized that if they just try and make it look like the party the other party when they're in power uh is incompetent by just like stall, totally stalling the government, they can get back into power. And, and then, then the, other the opposite can happen. Yeah, exactly. Whoa. And then wow. nothing ever gets done. So cool. Yeah, stonks. And then with all these uh, commissions and inquiries and whatnot on voting systems that's happened over the century, there are usually like three main questions that they're kind of trying to look into. The first of which is that when there's more than two candidates in a riding, should a candidate have to win a majority, i.e. like more than 50% of the votes, or just a plurality of the votes, so more than any other candidate, as it is right now in our system? Well, you, wait, you said when there's more than two candidates? Yeah, which when there's two candidates, most systems basically just revert back to being first past the post. Yeah, it's hard not to, and yeah. no reason to avoid it at that point. At least at that very local level, yeah. Yeah, but... For, uh, yeah, what you said, if they like should have to just get the most or get a majority. Yeah. Um, I mean, what would, if they quote, have to get a majority, what happens if they just don't? Uh, there are a few different ways of figuring that out. I mean, one of the most common is probably the alternative vote and how they do the ranking there, um, which is typically that, um, if uh, if there's only one candidate who gets to win that district, then um, one candidate needs to get at least 50%. And if no candidate initially has 50% of the um, first choices on the ballots, then the candidate with the least number of first choices is eliminated from the running and their votes are distributed to the other candidates based on the second choices of 
all of the like ballots. All, basically everybody who put that candidate as their first choice, all their second choices get distributed. Exactly. Yes. And then yeah. that just repeats until you get someone with over 50%. That's, that's the one that I'm familiar with for sure, I would say. And again, that sounds like a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah, I think it's generally still better than the um, current system and it would be a very small change. Um, and the reason, the re- well, one reason that sounds so good is because nowadays you often, um, with the smaller parties, uh, for instance, Green Party, NDP, well, NDP is not, NDP is the smaller of the big three, I guess, uh, the smallest of the big three. Um, but like with so, so in some cases, NDP, but also like Green, uh, if you're really cool and vote Bloc Québécois. They have um, more are, than the NDP, right? I know, not even small anymore. They're one of the, one of the big four now, um, yeah. somehow, um, and uh, uh, other ones like the PPC and uh, stuff like that. Um, it seems like people w- they actually would be a lot bigger, which is generally nice for democracy. If you get more parties, uh, they'd be a lot bigger if people have the alternative votes. But say you want to vote green, um, you're like, okay, green have so few seats. Or, I mean, they have no seats right now, but. Uh, they usually have so few seats, like, that I feel like I'd be throwing my vote away if I vote for them. And they generally agree with the NDP on most things. And NDP actually have a, some kind of a chance, so I'll just vote NDP instead. Or if you're like, <laughs> I'm extremely conservative and I want to vote PPC. But, again, they have so few seats, or so few to no seats. Like, I feel like uh, they have no chance, so I'll just vote conservative. Because the issues that I care about are, like, the closest to the conservatives or the block or whoever. So it seems like it would eliminate that. You could vote for who you actually want and then not worry that you're throwing your vote away. Definitely. Yeah. Which a quick side note, I'd forgotten until I rediscovered today that the rhinoceros party ran a candidate named Mac- Maxime Bernier in Maxime Bernier's riding. <laughs> was <laughs> that intentional? And, yes, that was intentional to try and leech <laughs> votes away from him, which is well, the he funniest did, shit. It might've worked because he didn't win his own I don't think it was the difference between him and uh, whoever the other candidate was there. The other guy didn't get like 10% of the local votes or anything. He did not, no. But he got at least a few hundred, I think. That's clout. Yeah. Did they just specifically seek out somebody named Maxime Bernier and they're like, hey, you want to run for politics? I don't know, but I would expect so. (laughs) Gotta love the rhinoceros party. Definitely, yeah. That's the real MVP of all elections. Yeah, for sure. Don't the U.S. have something like that? Man with a boot on his head? Probably. I don't know. Um, yes, they do. Oh, the guy is called Vermin Supreme. Uh, he's an American performance artist and activist who has run as a candidate in various local, state, and national elections in the United States. Um, and yeah, he always he has a big beard and he always wears a boot on his head. Yeah, Vermin Supreme, yeah. <laughs> Mostly kind of a crazy person, also a performance artist, so... You know, gotta love the boot. It's a fashion statement. Right. But yeah, that actually, not the Renaissance party bit, the bit about uh, uh, the seats that parties get uh, leads us into the second question that these commissions usually try and ask, which is, should our system, which currently treats each riding, each individual riding as its own contest, and thus doesn't like account for the overall votes that parties get across either like a province or the entire country, try and translate that, like aggregate that popular vote into actual seats in the House of Commons. Mm-hmm. So what are, the, what, are the, what are the 
points against that because that sounds like a pretty good idea for general satisfaction. Generally, yeah. I'm be honest, it's it's, it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> it sounds good. It is generally pretty good. Um, there is a level where it might go um, too far in some places, though that's a bit of a values judgment, really. Um, like the Netherlands is just one big district, and then you vote for all of the candidates, or you vote for all the parties and don't have any kind of local candidates, which I, I keep going back and forth on whether or not you need local candidates at all, but Canadians seem to really like it. So I think we do, and the Netherlands doesn't simultaneously because they have yeah. such a tiny country. I think that helps a lot, yeah. Like, their country is like, like what's what's the square footage of the Netherlands? Like, I feel like it's like oh, comparable to like the GTA. <laughs> it might be. So, like, it is an extremely small country. Yeah. So, I feel like it's bigger than like PEI, but that's not saying much. Who's to say? But yeah, there are, I mean, there are some critiques, like the reason why um, something like that, um, like, say, like a mixed member proportional, which was actually the recommendation, which has actually been the recommendation from a lot of these commissions over the last century. Um, but Trudeau was like, no, we're definitely not doing that. Um, cause you, he was claiming that uh, it would allow more extremist voices in. Cause even if they don't win the local election, they could still potentially get some seats from the, um, party votes. Well, it would split people out of the general voters. Like, or it would, I guess split more people out of the center, but is that even that bad a thing? Because it's like it's saying like what they want, I guess. Yeah, no, I think it. I think it's definitely an overblown concern. And there are things that you can do to try and mitigate the issues of like parties fracturing too much, or like tiny, tiny, like true, like real minorities, like getting too much voice. In that you can have like cutoffs where it's like okay, it, only if your party gets like five or even like ten percent of these party votes, do we allow mm-hmm. it to be included in this? Which would make sense. And the alternative is kind of um, allowing more extremist elements to like grow and grow and grow inside the major part, um, inside more of the major political parties until they like flip the switch and take it over. See Republican party for more details on that, how that happens. <laughs> when did that happen in the American Republican party? I assume you're talking about the American. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm going to be honest, that's that's a whole mess. I I could not say. But they they seem like they have been taken over by elements of their party. As a, an absolute outsider, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, as someone who does not live there and does not have a direct horse in this game. Mm-hmm. The heck. Yeah, well, don't know what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. Don't care to find out. Um but so, did you have any more uh, points for for this this half of the topic? I guess. Yeah, a little bit. Um, which I mean, just to like reiterate on like the number of like uh, votes versus seats that parties get, and how that's not always terribly fair. Like, I think the NDP got almost twenty percent of the votes in the last election, but like seven percent of the seats. Whereas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> whereas I think what the block got. Um, like 7% of the vote, but almost like 10% of the seats, even more than the NDP got, even though they have less than half of the votes just because they're like geographically concentrated in a few ridings. Are they ever? 
(laughs) (laughs) Yes. The most, really. Yeah. In fact, you can't vote for them from anywhere else. Mm -hmm. That you cannot. Yeah. And then the third um, thing that they usually try and look into that I'm still flipping back and forth a little bit, but I think I'm landing in favor of is whether or not um, the government should be involving the public directly in these decisions, either through like citizens assemblies or referendums that everybody votes on. Um, I have to say referendums. I don't know because again, a lot of people are dumb and don't actually know, like they have sort of a, and I'm not excluding myself from this, but like, for instance, like, if I got a vote directly, like if we did say an all Canada referendum on should there be an independent Quebec, should we kick him out? Or if you're in Quebec, should we be our own country or whatever? I don't know the long-term widespread uh, economic results of that, whether I vote for or against, you know, because I'm just, I'm a layman. I don't know what's, what's going on with that. Um, so, or, or just larger issues like that. So, yeah, that is honestly like I feel like in you can give give the general public too much power because, again, they aren't experts. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's definitely some what I was kind of feeling, especially after seeing like very public uh, referendum shenanigans like Brexit. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, do you have uh, any particular recent one in mind? Oh, yeah, that that but that one didn't seem like it went too well uh when especially when they're poorly done can be very bad and and when it's such a vague thing like 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 as in leaving the eu it's like what does that mean to you and what why are you voting that like is it because you want to live and travel elsewhere is it because you want to limit refugees or immigrants is it because uh you have like some economic reasons for it like yeah but then on the other side of it um when it comes to something as fundamental as like the voting system for the for the democracy, um, if you have like a really well crafted and very specific referendum with like a public education campaign tied to it, that can lend a lot of legitimacy to the idea of a system change, which is important for a functioning democracy for people to feel like yes, this is good, this is the right thing to do. So, well, like I feel like it it's definitely best to leave like leave all the like details to the experts, like having like a, some kind of a yes, no or public opinion would probably be best, but I'm, yeah. I'm still flip flopping on that. I, I, I'm, I'm flip flopping as well. Yeah. There's definite pros and cons. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you also can't have like the bar be too high. Like it was when British Columbia almost changed how they how they do provincial elections back in Oh five. 2005 uh to be specific they actually they went through this whole process of creating a citizens assembly that explored a whole bunch of different options and then eventually chose to put forward a single transferable vote system up for a referendum but in order for it to pass they needed to get at least 60 percent of the overall vote as well as a simple majority in 60 percent of the 79 constituencies and they managed to get 57% of the vote, as well as a majority in 77 of the 79 constituencies, but just barely fell short and didn't manage to That is a it. very high bar. Like, why not just the good old majority, you know? I am not totally sure. I guess it's thought that, like, this is such a big change that you need the majority of people to be on board with it. But but again, that's more than them. They had high. the majority. Yeah. 
that they did. Yeah. So it was unfortunate. A, a lot of people definitely raised flags like saying, hey, this is too high. But yeah, it just did not work out. Like, yeah, if you have over half of people for it, it kind mm-hmm. of makes sense that that would be counted as a as a for the motion. You know? Yeah, that was definitely a W for them, but it did not actually get passed. Fortunately. And I'm seeing that we only have like six minutes left here. Um, I think Zencaster is giving us like monthly time limits now. So this is unfortunate. Oh, really? Yes. So we can very quickly go through like uh, first past the post and then get into the other ones next time. Sure. And then you can tease which countries' systems we'll be talking about a little more. Definitely. Yeah. So first past the post is the system that you all, uh, members of the English speaking world, probably that's it's very concentrated in in those countries are familiar with where it's basically winner takes all one candidate who gets um, more votes than the other candidates in a district wins the wins the district and then all of the districts are kind of added up to form parties and the party with the most individual district wins forms the government or at least forms wins that level of government because sometimes there's different um, ways of voting between, say, like president, uh, upper house, lower house, all that kind of stuff, or president and prime minister, potentially. Sometimes, yeah, that's true. A freak like that, yeah. And there are a few pros to the first past the post system, which I feel like the main one is that it's really easy to understand and use. I feel like that's the main pro. It's just like, yeah, it's just just the most basic. Yeah, it's very easy to understand exactly what's going on. Which one of these do you like? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And the other the other argument that I heard in favor of, well, specifically in favor of not changing it, was basically if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Ah, well, that therein lies the uh, the argument, I guess. <laughs> Is it broke? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've mentioned at all yet today, but um, I think only three. Of the last like governments in the last like hundred years, um, were or three times when like a government had a majority of the seats, did they actually get a majority of the votes? Like it's wow. almost always if they have a majority of the seats, they have a minority of the votes. Huh. Which is not what you want. No, usually like somewhere in like the thirty-five to forty-five percent of the votes kind of range, but then that'll translate into fifty-five, sixty, seventy percent of the seats. Yeah, not ideal for voter satisfaction. No, definitely not. Just because we have so many parties splitting the vote between them, which is unfortunate. But we also have, like we were talking about earlier, some of the highest like satisfaction with the democracy in the world. And all in all, a relatively stable democracy, which is pretty good and is definitely fair points. Yeah, could always be better. But... Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I feel like those are the main things for it. But then some of the points against it are like we were just saying, it often creates really unrepresentative governments where parties are almost always like either like really over or under representative represented. Yeah. See, uh, NDP and block from this past election. Definitely. Yes. And it usually leads to two party systems given enough time, uh, just because of it encourages tactical voting where everybody's trying to like vote for their least disliked party in order to like prevent their most disliked party from winning. So that just coalesces people into like the two big parties. And again, see the U S for the basically 
and worst worst ending of that where it's like nobody really likes either option very much but they're like well i hate that option and i only dislike this option so yeah and it also i guess kind of like we were just talking about it favors larger parties um, because with only like 30, 40% of the vote, you can get all the seats as well as parties that are very geographically concentrated, see block. Um, and it's also more susceptible to gerrymandering, which is less of an which issue. It's a great word. <laughs> it is pretty good, yeah. Which is basically the fact that like how you draw the districts can basically decide the election results um, if you are able to split up or group different like groups of voters, which is less of an issue here because we have actual independent commissions doing that than it is in the u.s where it's just state governments that draw really oh yeah that's oh my gosh that's part of why their system's so messed up it's just governors drawing all the lines for the federal elections gerrymandering like mad (laughs) oh 100 yeah huh that seems like a bad idea that it is yeah and then two quick ones before we run out of time is that it can also lead to like because it's always like a majority from a minority, this leads to like really flipping back and forth between different majority governments, which can lead to a bit of legislative whiplash because the government will spend their first year or two just repealing what the previous government did before getting into stuff. And then the next government will do the same. And also interestingly, um, I didn't like fact check this, but it was an interesting point that apparently countries with first past the post are more likely to be involved in wars than more proportional systems. That is very interesting. I wonder why that would be. Yeah, the thought there apparently is that um, because these like minority, what are really minority governments are influencing like a majority or have a majority of the power, they're able to push out other elements, which in this case would be more like uh, elements of the population that are in favor of peace and all that kind of stuff or are anti-war. So like it, it just concentrates power into a smaller group of the population's hands. Hmm. Very interesting. That it is, yeah. But uh, so I guess I guess that's is that it for this this week. Yes, that's it for this week. And then next week we'll get deeper into some other cooler systems. We touched on a few. There's a number that I mentioned that I didn't explain fully. Don't worry, we'll get there. We'll we'll go through them. But yeah, like mixed member proportional, like Germany, or we could even talk about like totally proportional, like the Netherlands or some alternative votes like Australia or single transferable votes like Ireland. There's so yeah, many different especially, systems. Especially single transferable because it sounds like, yeah, you can only vote one and two, but apparently not. I'm very curious. No, it is not. Yeah, that's that one's kind of interesting because it's considered kind of the proportional representation of the Anglo-Saxon world because it hmm. gets much more proportional than first past the post, definitely, but also the alternative vote while still maintaining world. Yeah. It's not what that is. Sasana. (laughs) Well, English speaking world. Yeah. 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 But yeah, while still maintaining all the like local candidates, there's no voting directly for parties in that, Mm -hmm. but yeah, we will, we will get into that next time. Yeah. So, uh, see you later.